0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The uh, confirmation students have begun a practice that I would commend to all of you, uh, for those of you that might not already be doing this, and that is that they are looking ahead to the lessons that are coming each week. And so um, they look at the lectionary and they see what are the appointed lessons for the coming week. We have an Old Testament Lesson, a psalm, an epistle reading, and a gospel reading. They also look at the hymn of the day. We have an appointed hymn. Uh, Today it's 332, Savior of the Nations Come. And if you look at it, it's really uh, cool to see that Ambrose of Milan, St. Ambrose, wrote that hymn in the fourth century, and that uh, it was translated by Martin Luther, and then of course we have an English translation of Martin Luther's German translation. So uh, anyway, but they're looking at those and then they're looking ahead and seeing how do the, how do they, trying to figure out, this is a tall order, I think, for for confirmation students, but it's something to help them to grow. How do these passages that we're reading, how do they connect to each other? What's the common thread between these different passages? So it's a great exercise. And by the way, that is a lifelong Bible study. If you're looking for a Bible study that you can dig into, that's a lifelong thing because we follow a lectionary. We have a, uh, a three-year lectionary and we have a one-year lectionary. And right now we're using the three-year lectionary, which we have been uh, for many years. You can find that at the beginning of your hymnal. There's a section that has the lectionaries in there. We're in series B. You can also get it in the bulletin. If you look in the front of the bulletin, it'll tell you these are the lessons that are for next week. So anyway, our gospel lesson today is the triumphal entry when Jesus came into Jerusalem on what we now refer to as Palm Sunday. It's interesting, is it not, that we look forward to the incarnation, to the birth of Christ uh, on on this day, the start of Advent. This is the first Sunday in Advent. And what is it that we're hearing about but Jesus coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday? Uh, That strikes people sometimes as odd that we begin that way. Uh, But nevertheless, that's how we begin, and we'll talk a little bit about that. This is what marks the beginning, really, of our Advent journey. And as he came in, the people were spreading leaves and blankets and stuff on the ground and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The people were welcoming the long-awaited king. Blessed, they said, blessed is the coming kingdom Of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. In other words. Praise be in heaven. That's what Hosanna in the highest means. It's not like saying. Hosanna to the highest degree. To the maximum potential. Uh, It's it's saying. In the heavens. Hosanna in the heavens. Let the heavens rejoice. Because the long awaited king is here. And the long awaited kingdom has come. Now. Now to appreciate this joy that they expressed on this Palm Sunday, I want to provide the context, and you get that from the lesson from Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64 is a lament of Isaiah concerning the fate of Israel. Their disobedience, that is, Israel's disobedience will result in judgment by God. God used his appointed tool, which in this case is the Assyrians, to judge Israel and their unfaithfulness. Now you'll recall that after David's kingdom uh, and after, Sol- uh, after Solomon, the uh, kingdom was split into two the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel, and the southern kingdom was called Judah. Um, Now you'll recall further that the northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrians, by the Assyrian Empire. Um, And that happened 125 years or so before the southern kingdom fell. In fact, the, uh, the, the northern kingdom surrounded the southern kingdom, but Isaiah spoke a prophecy that the southern kingdom would be protected, and it was. It did not fall to the Assyrians. But here in this uh, section from Isaiah 64, he's lamenting the fate that will fall upon the northern kingdom, upon Israel. He foresaw this destruction that was coming to them at the hand of the Assyrian empire, and he begged God, oh, that you would rend heavens and come down, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Isaiah longed for God to come to earth and to save the people. He said, make your name known by your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. But why was judgment coming upon Israel anyhow? And Isaiah knows the answer to that. It's because God is always faithful to fulfill his covenant. And you'll recall his covenant was, if you fall away from me, then I will judge you. Northern kingdom had fallen away from God and in their faithlessness, they were going to be judged. Nevertheless, Isaiah uh, feels for them. He laments this judgment that's coming. He says, behold, you were angry and we sinned. And in this statement, Isaiah expresses utter sinfulness of Israel because um, it's not just that they sinned and incurred God's wrath. That's, it's actually worse than that. It's that they knew that God was angry. They knew that that sin made him angry, and yet they continued to do that very sin. And by the way, Isaiah is not just talking to the, uh, about the people of Israel because this is a common and shared human experience. That we sin even when we know that God is angry with that sin. And if, if you feel like maybe I'm talking to you specifically or maybe this passage is, is like you know, speaking to you directly, yeah, it is, absolutely, to each one of you and to me. It speaks to us because we all suffer that same condemnation. I want to pause uh, there and just re-emphasize that that this is seeing this that God is angry over that sin and then continuing in it, continuing in it. It's like we wallow in sin sometimes. So Isaiah uh, speaks these words. He says, in our sins, we have been a long time and shall we be saved? Shall we be saved? That's the hard question. The tough question is this, is we recalcitrant sinners, stubborn, persistent, willful sinners, shall we be saved? We can ask that question. You who sin against God can ask that question. Shall I be saved? Now, Isaiah expresses this concern further. when He says, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. In other words, even on your best day, your best works are still not righteous before God. So if we are coming with works and saying, look, God, look what I've done for you, that's not getting us anywhere. And again, this is a lament that Isaiah is writing and, and expressing this. And the question is still there. Can sinful Israel be saved? And it applies to us. Can we be saved? Can a sin- sinful person saved? be saved, can a sinful person be remade or refashioned or be born again? Now we see some a glimmer of hope because Isaiah goes on to say, oh Lord, you are our father, we are the clay and you are the potter. He's not blaming God saying, God, you made us this way. <laughs> That's not what he's doing. What he's saying is, God, you're the one who made us, you can remake us. You can, you have that power, God, and we are clay in your hands. We trust ourselves, God, to you and to your redemptive power. But see, that's the key, is that it is God's redemptive power, not our redemptive. We are not self-righteous. We, we cannot do this on our own. We, we have no choice but to put our, throw ourselves at, at God's mercy. And the answer, of course, we know well, and that's what we celebrate. That's why we say Hosanna, because yes, the answer is yes. God can take your sinful flesh and remake you. God can baptize you and in baptism, wash away all of your sins Not just your sins leading up to that baptism, but your sins of all time. When we remember our baptism, we remember that God has washed us clean of our sins. All of them. God can make ordinary bread and wine to be his very body and blood, given, as Jesus said, for the forgiveness of sins. So we receive that for the forgiveness of sins. God can... um, can and does do all of this for you. God can work faith through his word as he preaches this promise that for the sake of Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins. God works faith in us. That's God's word working faith. So he can and does do that. Why? Because God is the one who is faithful to his promises. All of you who see yourselves rightly in the mirror of God's law, who profess your sin can also see and understand then the joy that comes from seeing the fulfillment of God's promised Messiah. Yes, Jesus is king of the Jews and he comes and brings to fruition all of the promises of God. The prophecies of the old, uh, of the uh, scriptures of the Old Testament are fulfilled in Christ. So, in fact, God did rend the heavens and come down to earth as Isaiah prayed. And God acts for those who wait for him, as Isaiah uh, said. God does not remember our iniquity forever, as Isaiah said. So in the triumphal entry, Jesus accepted the acclamations that he is, in fact, the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the long-awaited Messiah the Son of God. So though you struggle with sin, even when you know of God's anger and judgment against it, notice I said struggle with sin. See, that's the difference. We believers struggle with sin. We don't give into it wholeheartedly. We might for a time, but it always comes back. No, we struggle with sin. Those of you who struggle with sin, even when you know that God is angry with that. You look to Jesus, the one who comes in the name of the Lord, and rejoice with those who saw that the son of David was here in Jerusalem. This is what it means when we say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's why we start this season with that acclamation or affirmation, because we are confessing Just like Isaiah said, that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and in Christ Jesus coming in Jerusalem in the triumphal entry, we see that Messiah coming. We see that He has come to us. And then we sing, as we sang in the hymn Savior of the nations, come. It's a simple plea, and yet it's profound.